Hello, and welcome to Shelf Confidence, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Food Merchants Association that focuses on trends and innovations in food retail. I'm Liz Kemery, your host, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Marta Human, who is a Pennsylvania Divisional Nutritionist with Wegmans. Wegmans is a longtime sponsor and member of PFMA. And uh, with it being October, this is a great time to bring Marta on. It's Children's Health Month. So today we're going to be talking about children's health and nutrition and how to build healthy habits. Marta, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And thanks for having me. This is a great opportunity. The first time I'm doing a podcast, so I'm super excited. Ah, That's awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you. It's so nice to have you. So I'm going to start with something easy. Can you just share a little bit more about what you do at Wegmans? I became a dietitian because I wanted to help people. And Wegmans is that one of their core values is caring for people, both their customers and their employees. So it's really great for me to be going into the stores and showing how much Wegmans cares for our employees, how much I care for our employees. I get to share credible nutrition information, uh, maybe give them some food solutions if they're, you know, found out they have something going on that they need help with and generally just help them live healthier, better lives through food. I'm really lucky. It's a great job. I love it. Yeah. And that's, that's something that's really awesome for employees to have, because it's not a benefit that everybody gets. So I think that's fantastic that Wegmans is able to offer that. Absolutely. Yep. Very cool. So I mentioned October is a focus on children's health and with your position um, with health and nutrition, what does children's health mean to you? What all does that encompass? Yeah. Well, children's health, I mean, it's, it's just kind of crucial for growth and development in kids without the proper nutrients, they can't develop strong bones, strong teeth. Nutrition is good for mental health. It's really good for your brain. It's actually crucial for brain growth to have the proper nutrients. The list of benefits is long, but eating a diverse diet is really the best way to get those nutrients. And when I say diverse, I mean getting all of the colors of the rainbow when you can of the fruits and vegetables, not necessarily in one day, but uh, definitely over time, trying to get as many colors as possible, sticking with lean meats, whole grains, dairy, dairy alternatives, trying to get those nutrients in, you know, in a consistent basis is crucial for their growth and development. I'll have to remember that thing about the rainbow, because I feel like that could be a very easy game with the child, like the kids, you know, that to say, you know, how many of the colors of the rainbow can you fit into your plate? That'll make it sort of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's fun when you go to the grocery stores, let's pick out some the different colors of the fruits and vegetables. So I remember before we had our kids, my husband and I really kind of sitting down and talking through what is mealtime going to look like? What kind of snacks are our kids going to be allowed to have? You know, how, how does health in our house look? And it's funny because everybody's parents did it a different way. And of course it's evolved over time. One thing in his household was his mom would say, okay, well you can have, you have to have the Cheerios and I'll let you put some Fruit Loops in it. So it's a sometimes treat you can mix together. You know, so that was sort of, she sort of met them halfway on that. Of course, you come up with all these ideas and then you have the kids and that, you know, all those plans go out the window because they have their own idea of what they should be doing, right? <laughs> it's it's interesting to see how that evolves. But like, how do you, what's your thought on how to work with kids in developing those plans instead of like butting heads on it? Yeah, that's that's also a great question. And and I love the way your husband's mom dealt with that because it's all, it's all about compromise and all your kids are different. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you have three children and you know, they're all three have different ideas about what they're going to eat and not eat. So it's, it's a challenge, but it's definitely good to start out from the beginning with good eating habits. Um, you know how babies have to be taught to do everything. I mean, they even have to be taught how to hold a spoon. And I bring up that because I remember back when I was my, a new mom way back when my son is going to be 25. So it's a long time ago, but 
I remember thinking, you mean he doesn't know what to do with the spoon when he's holding it? I have to teach him that? I just thought it was this intuitive thing that happened, but that was just my new mom naivete. But my point is that you have to teach them everything and good eating habits, eating habits is one of the things you have to teach them. And they're going to learn the most from mimicking you and mimicking their parents and who is sitting at the table with them. So setting up those good habits, doing them yourself is kind of clutch, but don't panic if you haven't started it yet. If you know, your kids are seven, eight, nine, ten, and you, you think you can do better with the habits, it's never too late. It might be a tad more difficult, but it's not it's not too late. And I think the biggest thing you can do is start with having structured meal times. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't mean being rigid in, we're going to eat breakfast at eight and lunch at 12 and dinner at six. I don't mean that. I mean, just for the kids knowing that there's going to be a meal and they know there's going to be snacks. If you're offering snacks that really helps them stay, you know, keeping out of the kitchen to graze on various things. I know a lot of kids that go out to the kitchen themselves and are grabbing stuff out of the fridge or out of the cupboards. It's really good to have those meal times. It's it's 10 a.m. So we're going to have snack time or yeah. sometime around that in the mid-morning, just so they know that they're going to have that. Really what they're going to do is watch you. So that's really important. But having structured meals and time, and then when kids see to sit down at the table, they're going to be hungry. And that's the, that's yeah. the bottom line. No, that makes sense. And I mean, ours changes based on sports schedules and if mom and dad have meetings and all that, but they do know that every night together, for the most part, we, you know, we do take the time to sit and have dinner or breakfast. They, they know we have, again, not rigidly, but we generally, everybody has a place to sit. Everybody has a plate they prefer, you know, things like that, that at least, I guess, sort of get them excited about sitting down together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Very good. When thinking about how to work on healthy diets with your kids, is it a good idea or a bad idea to come up with a, yes, you can eat this and no, you can't eat this list? Or is it more about finding balance in between? Oh, it's definitely more about finding balance. We dietitians don't like to talk about no foods at all, unless there's a medical reason. Of course, if someone's allergic to something that you don't want them Mm, to eat that food, but definitely for folks that are, for kids that can eat all foods, we want to make all foods available. We really like to talk about the 80-20 rule. So eating, eating well, 80% of the time, you know, eating those nutritious foods, 80 to 80% of the time, it gives you 20% of the time to eat those less nutritious food, or maybe even unnutritious foods, you know, don't any nutrition at all because they're fun and you like them. So Mm -hmm. having that nice balance, everything in moderation, that's sort of the motto. That's a good point. And it's sometimes a hard thing to teach, but like you said, if hopefully parents can be an example to that, then, you know, maybe that helps the kids a little bit along the way. I had a laugh because we got to talk a little bit before the podcast to just kind of get to know each other and everything. And that night the kids had something on TV and a commercial came up and it was for Kraft macaroni and cheese. So the mom is chasing this little girl around the house in circles with a spoon going one more bite, one more bite. (laughs) And of course the little girls like had enough. So the end of the commercial, the mom gives in and she sits down and the daughter's enjoying Kraft macaroni and cheese. So we had been talking about this one more bite, three more bites thing. And I, th- I think everybody's been there, right? Three more bites until yeah. dessert, one more bite until you can get up. But what are some of the things that, that we were talking about earlier, some concerns you had with that method? Yes, this is a great question. And it's something that we've, we've probably all done at one time or another. But I got to tell you, kids are really, really good at self-regulating. They know when they're hungry and they know when they're full. And when we're chasing them around with this one more bite, three more bite thing, we're teaching them not to listen to their internal cue of fullness. 
And that's a life, that's a lesson that they'll take with them into the future. I'm to ignore this and I'm to, to eat whatever is served. There is actually a great book and a, a lesson in this from a, uh, an author named Ellen Satter. She's a registered dietitian like me. And the book was published in 1987, but the message is still so relevant. But her one of her main quotes that comes out of the book, and I just saw this on social media last night, uh, someone had quoted this, but it's the parent's responsibility to provide the food and it's the child's responsibility to eat it. And we know that kids are notoriously unpredictable in you know, what they're going to eat or not eat. I mean, some dies of mom, I'm only eating blue food today. <laughs> and, you know, you, you really should just let them eat blue food today and not fight them about it because they're also really good at a balance. They're really good at making up for the things that they don't get. So today they're only eating blue food, but tomorrow maybe they'll eat a more diverse diet and they'll yeah. get the, the those nutrients they need from those foods. But again, having the structured mealtime and letting them eat what they want at those meal times is going to set them up for success in the long term, especially as they get into, you know, teenage and young adulthood and they're off oh, to yeah. school on their own and they've got to fend for themselves. It's a really good lesson for them to learn. I'm sure you've had this experience. Sometimes it takes a while. I know my oldest one for the longest time, he would eat yogurt with no chunks in it. Like it couldn't have fruit in it and fruit snacks. And I was like, buddy, <laughs> you can't live off smooth yogurt and fruit snacks. It just doesn't work that way. But you know, now he's uh, nine and he's going to eat me out of house and home and his uh, diversity in what he's eating has, you know, has grown tremendously. So it took a while, but he's yeah. there. And now I'm going to be regretting it when I get my grocery bill. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's no fun for parents or kids if you're begging them to eat yeah. at the table every night. I mean, that's not pleasurable and we want to make mealtime a pleasurable thing. Yeah, absolutely. So something that caught my attention over the summer was NPR had shared this article and the title is, if you think your kids are eating mostly junk food, a new study finds you're right. So in that they're saying two thirds of the calories that kids are are consuming, and this would be um, people ages uh, two years to 19 years, are from ultra processed foods. So there's I th there's a lot to that article, but you know from the that statistic, uh, what are ultra processed foods? How do you define that? Yes, ultra processed foods are foods that have had a lot done to them, or they go through a lot of processes. So, so you take something and you break it up into its little parts, and then you take another thing and break it up to its little parts, and then you put them together and you make this new food or this new combination, that's what it means to be ultra processed. And an example of that is like cheese puffs. That's a great mm. kid's example of an ultra processed food or soda. Some candies okay. are ultra processed, uh, that sort of thing. And what would be the difference then between a processed and an ultra processed food? Yeah, that is a really important distinction. So I'm really glad you asked that because most of the foods we eat have been processed at least a little bit. Uh, and I like to use the example of carrots. So you buy a pound of carrots, they come in a bag, you eat them, that's a whole unprocessed food. But as soon as you shred the carrot or cut it into coins or can it or freeze it, then it becomes processed. And that's minimally processed. Milk mm -hmm. is minimally processed because it's pasteurized, that sort of thing. So we don't want to avoid those foods because they're very nutritious. Uh, we definitely want to eat those minimally processed foods. It's the ultra processed foods that we want to we want to be mindful of. And it's, it's not like we should never eat a cheese puff. Uh, heaven forbid. I love cheese puffs. I'm going to eat them. <laughs> it's just, you know, that eight back to that 80, 20 rule where 80% sure. of the time we're eating nutritiously. And then maybe 20% of the time we can eat more of those ultra processed foods. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And that's interesting. I didn't really think about that. That carrot example was good because I will sit there and use the shredder with a, a regular carrot that hasn't been touched. My kids will eat baby carrots, but the, it was just, just, it seems silly. Cause it's like, it's almost it's pretty much the same thing. It's just a different shape, but for whatever reason, they'll eat the baby carrots with the ranch dip, but they won't eat one if mom cuts it up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's interesting. But you know, they're like you said, it, it's processed. It's just not something that I thought of that way. Cause I'm like, it's a carrot, it's a carrot, it's a carrot. So that makes sense. Yeah, it's really the social media and well, the media in general, you know, when you see those statements like don't eat processed foods, I wish that they would distinguish that they mean ultra processed, not the minimally processed. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Going back to the ultra processed foods, you know, in my family, my kids are very active. Um, they jump on the trampoline and then they go to soccer practice. And so then, you know, if, if we're having a busy night, we might grab a happy meal or something because... I feel like they deserved it. They got their energy out and um, and it's not an everyday, all the time food. But if that is something that um, is a habit that needs to be broken for a family to, you know, kind of cut back on those things that are ultra processed, what are some things that, you know, short term and long term that you'll see in a child who has too many ultra processed foods in their diet? We need to be realistic. I mean, these situations happen. We're out, mm-hmm. we're about, we're in a hurry. We need to get food in our kids and on ourselves. We need to be proud of ourselves, be able to get them food and be kind to ourselves and saying, you know what, we're going to have X, Y, Z fast food tonight. And it's okay. The issue with the ultra processed food is that they displace more nutritious foods. So Mm. for example, the chicken nuggets and French fries conversation. So if you're eating chicken nuggets and French fries for a dinner, you're not getting fruits and vegetables or a whole grain, or maybe even a dairy when you're eating them. And that's okay once in a while. But if you're doing that every single day, you're not getting those nutrients every single day. And of course, like we said before, the kids really need those nutrients. So that's the danger with the ultra process is they're displacing the other foods, the more nutritious foods. And we we don't want to do that. So again, back to that, it's an okay treat sometimes, yeah. but you wouldn't want to do it every day. And you don't want to, as a parent, want to beat yourself up about doing it occasionally because life happens. Absolutely. Well, and that was another thing in the article. They were saying that the highest increase that they've seen in calories in children are the ready to eat and the ready to heat meals, because of course, we're always in a hurry and grabbing things on the go. And and that has been an area of growth for a lot of supermarkets because of the pandemic and being on the go and needing things quickly and wanting to feed your family, but maybe not having the time to sit down and do like a Sunday dinner, you know? So what kind of suggestions do you have on how to still make that work? How to be able to you know, get something on a weeknight when, when the family is really busy, but you don't want to go into junk food. You want to keep it relatively healthy and still be able to do something quickly. There are so many quick solutions in the grocery store. I mean, I could spend you know hours talking about this, but I think grab and go meals are kind of key. And one of my favorites, and I mention this all the time, is um, rotisserie chickens. Rotisserie chickens are so easy. They're they're inexpensive. You can grab them, grab a ready-made salad or head to the frozen aisle and get a couple bags of frozen veggies. And you have tape you have the meat on the table in five minutes. Yeah. It's super easy. And the nice thing about rotisserie chickens is that then you can turn them into you know, the leftovers into other meals. In your case, you might have to buy two chickens with all those boys in your house. <laughs> But anyway, you can turn the chick. You could be quesadillas for the for lunch the next day. 
They can be chicken Caesar wraps or buffalo chicken wraps. So many diverse things you can turn that rotisserie chicken into. And again, serving them with some side salad or some frozen veggies. And you've got meal on the table again every night that week for five in five minutes. So think about those things. But also at Wegmans, we have these ready to cook items that are super simple where you, all you have to do is remove the top and throw them in the oven and you're good to go. We have these cook and bag meals, which are super simple. Mm, If you're not familiar with those. Yeah. So that is, they're in a bag and you take off the label and you put them in your crock pot and you come home from work and they're ready to go. Um, A Sunday sauce is a really popular one right now. We've got chicken cacciatore. There's a whole, there's a whole bunch of different ones, but they're super, super easy. Family, family pack of sushi. Another great option. The kids really love sushi. Um, Again, serve it with the sides of, of some vegetables Fresh pastas over in dairy. I always like to call out cheese tortellini because not only could you put that Sunday sauce on them and have it like an Italian meal, but you can make it a little more Latin flavored with make by making it into a tortellini soup. Um, okay. We have a great recipe for that on Wegmas.com. And soup is a great way to get more vegetables because no matter how many vegetables are in the soup that on the recipe, you can always add more. I'm, I'm famous for adding or, you know, coaching folks to add frozen vegetables into their soups. Cause that's super, they're already cut up. You know, oh, yeah. you can get a rainbow of colors in a bag and, and you're good to go. But definitely, I mean, if you have a Wegmans in your market, definitely check it out. But I'm sure every grocery retailer has these kind of solutions that are super simple. And it's, we just don't think of it. And now with Instacart, you know, you can you could be sitting at at soccer practice or you know ballet practice and writing you know making an order and having yeah. it delivered. Or in Wegmans, we have cart to curb, so you can order it and then on your way home swing by and pick it up. And they bring it out to your car. It's really super yeah. easy. That is, yeah, that's so convenient. So we've been talking a lot about food. Another thing that might be worth considering are drinks. How do drinks fit into this conversation? Yeah, hydration is super important, especially for the growing kids. Our bodies are 60% water, so we want to make sure mm. we're keeping it replenished with the water. And water is the best hydrator. Sports drinks do have a place. They're meant to be for folks that are exercising, that are you know perspiring a lot and losing a lot of the electrolytes in their sweat because those sports drinks have electrolytes in them. And so they're replacing those. They also have tend to have you know the ones that aren't sugar-free, the ones that are, have the sugar in them. They've got that extra energy that you need while you're exercising to keep you going. They were never meant to be drank while you're sitting around playing video games or watching a movie That's or, or even with a meal. That's not the point of them. But there is a place for them sometimes. And one of the things in your situation where your son really likes the sports drink is you could dilute them. You can make it a special treat, but you can also flavor water with fruit or there's lots of flavoring drops and powders that you can put in. We have a whole vast variety of um, sparkling waters that have all kinds of flavors. That's for kids that like soda because they have that carbonation that, you know, people really enjoy. And so that's a good way to substitute water for soda. As far as the sugary drinks like soda and fruity drinks, not 100% fruit juice, but fruity drinks that are just a little bit of fruit juice in them and then a whole bunch of water and sugar in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've really realized the research has been done in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And we've understood that so much added sugar is not so good for us, causing a lot of health issues. Um, and weight gain is one of them, which leads to a whole other mess of health issues. So really limiting the amount of added sugars is really important. 
So that's one of the reasons we don't want to do sugary beverages all the time. It's a, again, occasional celebratory treat, treat or something is fine, but we want to really skew towards water. And then I want to say about 100% fruit juice too. 100% fruit juice does not have added sugars in it. And we don't have to be worried about that kind of juice because it has the nutrients in it. It's got vitamins and minerals and that sort of thing in it. It does lack the fiber though. So when it comes to fruit juice, we say generally one serving of your fruit each day should be juice. If you, if you like juice, you should be no more than one serving a day. Otherwise do whole fruits. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a great, I should say for if any of the listeners have kids or even themselves are trying to gain weight, because there's a lot of kids that are, that are you know, just anatomically or genetically thin, and they're trying to mm. you know, gain some weight. Fruit juice is a good way to do the 100% fruit juice. Oh, interesting. Okay. I never thought about that. Good tips. I like that. Thank you. Something else that I'm curious about. So we've been talking about like how parents can be a good example and how you know we want to set not necessarily rules, but we want to set our kids up for, for success with healthy eating and kind of come up with parameters, I guess, right? Do you have suggestions for how to get kids to be more active in that role or be more invested in taking part of that healthy eating conversation? Like how can you get them involved in that? Once again, I would start really young. <laughs> Once they're getting used to, you know, let just let them be in the kitchen as much as possible. Allowing them to help, even from really small, like one year, 18 months old, can pour stuff into a bowl. They can get, take a big stir and a spoon and stir. Yeah, it makes kind of a mess sometimes, but allowing them to do them sort of gets them into the enthusiasm and the, the funness of being in the kitchen and helping mom and dad cook. As they get older, of course, they can help even more with the meal prep. I think it's a really good idea to have your kids, I don't know, starting 9, 10, 11 is them being responsible for one night each week. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. I mean, you're not making a three-course meal or anything, but just having them responsible for figuring out what to eat and, you know, maybe not doing all the prep depending on their age, but definitely doing as much as they can if their ability allows them to, to help them prep. I think that's really, really a smart tip. Also, like getting the kids involved in meal planning, it's really kind of a, a life skill to know how to meal plan, and so many people don't know how to do it, um, adults included. And even as simple as asking your kids, what would you like to eat this week, is a simple way to get them involved in meal planning. But we have a great tool on our website. It's designed as a back-to-school lunch builder, but it really can be used for any, it can be used for any meal or any time. It doesn't have to be for school, but the back of it, or the one of the sides has the different food groups, and it lists a bunch of foods as examples in each of those groups. And then on the other side, it has those same food group columns, except they're blank, and it has Monday through Sunday. And you can sit with your kids and work out what are the foods in the food groups that you like and make a meal plan. Oh, um, that's it's, nice. It's pretty basic, but it's on our website, and uh, it's something that you could definitely work with. Well, and sometimes it's just just to have the reminder. I like that. I'll have to print that off for the kids because I think they, they would enjoy being more active in that way. Exactly. Yeah. That's and even cool. let them on that side where it has the list of foods and it gives you examples, they could add what they like. If it's not on that list, just, you know, jot with a pencil the foods. That, that's when it would be the like cheese puffs. puffs. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have, that's not in a food group. That's not Good. one of the food groups. <laughs> uh, every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> We covered a lot of great stuff today. Is there anything that we didn't get to that you wanted to mention as far as, you know, health and nutrition and sort of working together as a family to to kind of nail this and um, and work on healthy meals? 
Well, I def- definitely want to say, you know, have a routine. I think that's kind of kids love routine. They love structure. That's what they get at school. That's what they I think they thrive the best when there's routine. Uh, be consistent. Don't beat yourself up again about getting fast food or going to the ice cream parlor occasionally. Um, really take advantage of your grocery store. We have some great resources on Wegmans.com. There's meal planning ideas. There's how to stock for success. There's smart snacking ideas. There's a whole section of back to school. I know school's already started, but there's a wealth of information on there. And I'm going to include all of those and send them to you and you can put them in the show notes. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think any of that stuff is helpful. And it's funny because as we go through, you know, our lists at home, sometimes it's I like to cook and my husband and I do a lot in the kitchen. Sometimes it's just exhausting to have to think of what the next thing is going to be because like you said, there's kind of an art to meal planning, right? So any little help recipes or tips or the the meals in the bags and all that kind of stuff that just gives you a break every once in a, me- in a while mm-hmm. and gives you a good meal um, is, is helpful. So those resources are fantastic. Great. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I think that's a great way to bring in October's Child Health Month with you and um, lots of awesome resources at Wegman. So I really appreciate your tips and your expertise. And hopefully we'll all be looking at some of these resources to have a healthy and nutritious fall. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you too. Tune in in two weeks as we speak with Cheryl Heft and Samantha McKeough from our PFMA partner, World Connect, about how to develop realistic sustainability goals for your company. Thanks for listening.